Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm a little bit early today. We still have a few minutes before the podcast is supposed to start at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At that time, I will be playing the trailer. Uh, Just a few things before we get there. I wanted to talk about the sponsor for the podcast today. And uh, we've talked about Mud Hen Hen Mama before. Mud Hen Mama. You can go to mudhenmama.com. And uh, the tagline is books that support your values. This is a curated list of books, not just for kids, but for the whole family. Uh, And there's no critical race theory, no social justice stuff, uh, no compromise that unfortunately you have to watch out for in even Christian publishing these days. Uh, If you want to find the, the nuggets, the good books that are at some of these Christian publication houses, then uh, Michelle at Mud Hen Mama has and her team have curated a list for you. And one of the things I like about this, I've mentioned it every time, is they do have grade levels. So if you're a homeschool mom or dad and you have, or, or not, you don't even have to be a homeschool mom or dad, but uh, if there's um, are, are books that you're looking for, whether educational or not, for your kids and you want to make sure they're at the right reading level, you can go to mudhenmama.com and find uh, books that will suit your child's specific needs. And if you order today, you can get... 10% off your order by putting the promo code Harris uh, in the promo code section as you check out. So that's mudhenmama.com. And uh, I'm thankful for their sponsor sponsorship for the podcast today. I'm having trouble talking for some reason. I don't know if it's because I didn't get much sleep last night or what, um, but uh, it, it's been busy this week. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think that's everyone, right? The holidays, as especially you approach Christmas, uh, things get busy and you're trying to cram a lot. And there's a lot of things to prepare for an event. I'm actually uh, preaching this Sunday, so you can pray for me uh, at a local church. And so um, that'll be good. I'm, I'm actually going to be speaking on the book of Job. And I know it's kind of odd to do, right? Leading up to Christmas. Um, it, it kind of suits the, the particular circumstances, I think, though, that this this church uh, is in and, and also the circumstances of my family to some degree. And it's also something that I've been reading in my personal devotional time. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. And uh, I might post it on the podcast, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes the the broadcast isn't the greatest quality. It's a little bitty church in the middle of the woods. Uh, one of the reasons I actually love speaking at places like that. I don't know about you. I mean, it's it's great to speak to any audience, but for some odd reason, uh, I'd have to think about it more why I like it. But I do like smaller audience, smaller audiences where the people tend to know each other. Uh, smaller churches. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in one. 
Uh, but anyway, we are streaming. We have 72 people streaming right now. We're counting down. We have less than three minutes before I'm going to play the trailer, and we will talk about it as we go through it, maybe a little bit and probably a whole lot more after. Uh, if you want to be part of the podcast, there's two ways you can be part of it. You can either log on to YouTube or Facebook, and uh, you can comment in the comment section as we're live streaming here. Or uh, if you're a patron, you can actually go to patreon.com, uh, go to, I think it's forward slash worldview conversation. I probably should change that, but it, that's what it is right now. Patreon.com forward slash worldview conversation. And you're going to find in the latest post a link so that you can essentially call in. You can uh, be live. You can use your camera if you want to. You don't have to. You can just use audio if you want, but you can actually be part of the program, ask questions. You can uh, make a comment. You can tell me how dumb I am <laughs> if you want to do that. I mean, I really have no rules on it, except please no profanity and try to be respectful. That's all. But if you're a patron, you're, you're probably already somewhat on board with what I'm doing anyway. Um, well, we, we have a, a bunch of people already leaving some uh, comments. Hello from Massachusetts. Hello from Omaha. Yes, we are. We are a national podcast, international. So I'm told sometimes we get people from all over the world that tune in and, uh, we, we only have two minutes, less than two minutes. And then we're going to play this trailer for you. Uh, someone said never heard. I, I, I say someone because it says we're not product. We're products, not consumers. I'm not sure that that can't be their actual name. <laughs> That's just the name on YouTube, I guess. Never heard the made up term Christian nationalists until the Marxists fed it to the state propaganda networks. Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, at least the, the occurrence of the term is kind of new. I, I talk about in my book, Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict, which uh, it's been out now, I guess, for two years. You can go online and get that. You can go to Amazon if you want. Um, of course, I prefer if you go to my website, johnharrispodcast.com, and you can order it there, and I'll give you an autograph copy. But uh, anyway, I, I do talk about the use of that term about 100 years ago uh, in these Bellamy clubs, these uh, they were Christian nationalist groups, so they were ba basically Marxist. They were Christian Marxism. It was a way to try to sell Fabian social socialism to Americans. Very different than what the term means now, at least in the popular kind of parlance. So it, it has been around. There is a history, but um, for the most part, it's either very obscure references, and and I think that's what Stephen Wolf does. To be honest, in the intro to his book, he pulls from these very obscure references to kind of bolster what he's doing his project um or you know the, the more mainstream and i don't you know how mainstream really was it but the more common usage if you go to somewhere like google books and you type in the word and you want to see how it was used across time it was actually used on the left ironically um but we are now about 30 seconds away from running this particular um this particular video this is a new documentary this is uh a, a documentary on Christian nationalism. And we're going to talk about it. I'm going to inform you a little bit about it because uh, let's just say I, I went online to a search engine and I typed in, uh, I think it's called God and Country, the title of the documentary, and then Christian nationalism. And it's like the first page, just boom, 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 boom. All these mainstream news websites covering the release of this documentary, which is set for, I think, next February. And, you know, I, this is something that I, I guess I, you could say I told you so, but it wouldn't be unique to me. A lot of people told you so. Of course, we knew this was going to be one of the major plays that the Democrat Party machine or uh, doesn't even have to be associated with the Democrat Party. Just uh, the more um, liberal and, and progressive minded people who don't want to see Donald Trump reelected 
we, we knew this is going to be one of the things that they were going to pull. The media was going to pull this. Hollywood was going to pull this. Uh, Democrat politicians were going to try to pull this. This idea that Christians are actually just, they're, they're marked. They're, they're, sorry, they're not marked. <laughs> the ones on the social justice side are kind of Marxist, but Christians are actually Nazis, essentially. They're, that's what they want you to kind of associate with this. So um, without further ado, let's play the trailer and then uh, we'll do some commentary, get to some questions and comments and uh, perhaps go from there. So here is the particular video that's circling around the internet, cycling around the internet. Uh, this is God and Country, the trailer for the documentary coming out next February. While the white Christian nationalist crusade threatens the... That is not the right video. Sorry, hold on. That's an, I'm giving you a preview of something I'm going to show you that I actually just was putting together. Uh, this is the trailer. Here we go. America and Christianity are like baseball and apple pie and we celebrate them together. I was 16, 17 years old when I became a Christian. I'm an evangelical minister. I've been a Christian my whole life. I'm a Christian nationalist. I have nothing to be ashamed of because that's what most Americans are. Is Christian nationalism Christian? Um, no, it isn't. We should be blazing forth as a countercultural example, and instead, we're leading the charge of malice and division. Christian nationalism uses Christianity as a means to an end, that end being some form of authoritarianism. Being a Christian is about the values of inclusion. Christian nationalism is certainly not based on the values of the gospel. God wants America to be saved. They're told over and over and over again that you're in danger. You need to fight if you don't want to lose your country. We are in a civil war between good and evil. This is not a movement about Christian values. This is about Christian power. What happens to the people who don't believe this stuff? We are on the precipice. God is on our side. We're taking our nation back. The thing that keeps me up at night is that we lose democracy. Does that seem possible? Yes. Christianity at its best is committed to love and truth and justice. If we do this right, what a country we will be. Now, I just got to say, I don't know how I feel about them using uh, God Bless America there in the background. I mean, it's, that's that's striking, like, patriotic emotions in me. It's, it's going to cause Christian nationalism. Um, so this is the, uh, the, the very predictable. I think that's even what I put in the thumbnail for this. This is so predictable that they're doing this. And, and, and for, to many of you, this is probably not a huge surprise. But I figured we would go over a few things um, that just kind of stood out to me in the trailer of course the ending i think stands out as a contrast the last like five seconds as a uh, in in regards to the rest of the trailer because you have this kind of foot in the door where they say they, they insinuate well christianity can be politically involved and then it's for those who are listening uh, and, and not seeing what everyone who's streaming right now is seeing they are uh, images from civil rights protests in the 1960s so that's the the good kind of Christianity. That's the Christianity we want. We you can be politically engaged, but of course the rest of the trailer uh, is 
mostly images from January 6th. And th this is the kind of bad Christian nationalism. This is um, this is Christian nationalism. The other is just, I guess, Christian civic engagement. But uh, Christian nationalism is about the, the thing that defines it is that it's about seeking power. So if you're seeking power, that's a bad thing. And, and so uh, th the funny part to me, though, is that it, they're OK with seeking power as long as it's the right messaging. Right. So certain uh, right wing sentiments, not good, but left wing sentiments, fine. You can all day go and protest and try to get uh, the government to represent your views uh, because they're quote unquote Christian. That's perfectly fine and acceptable. And that is seeking power too. You're trying to influence the government with a certain vision and you're calling it a Christian vision, but that doesn't qualify in their minds. And they, you know, in the trailer obviously can't give you the whole documentary. So maybe they'll talk about this in the documentary, but I haven't heard any good explanations for why that's so different, why that, uh, evades the charge of seeking power. The other thing is you'll notice some uh, voices in the documentary that are more quote unquote conservative evangelical. At least they would claim that. At least they have claimed that in the past. One being Russell Moore from the previously the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptist professor at the flagship seminary, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Really the creation, I would say, or the person who's most responsible for giving Russell Moore a platform would be Al Mohler, who tries to tout himself as a very conservative person. Uh, and, and he is certainly, the way he's talking, especially lately, he is to the right of Russell Moore. But Russell Moore um, has, he thinks Christianity's changed, but really he's changed. He has uh, drifted farther and farther left. And this is one more piece of that, of evidence for that. You have him, you have also uh, Phil Vischer, the creator of Veggie Tales is interviewed in this. Um, you have David French, and they're appearing alongside people like uh, Kristen Dumez, uh, the author of Jesus and John Wayne. Uh, and uh, well, let me just show you that Jamar Tisby is also part of this. And I, I, there is there is two that I in particular wanted to just show you how radical these people are because the I think the partnership is somewhat significant. It doesn't mean that Russell Moore necessarily endorses every view of, let's say, Anthea Butler, who's part of this documentary. But would he have been part of a documentary with and An Anthea Butler before? That's a question I have, uh, say, five years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, they wouldn't have probably been in the same room, uh, let alone part of the same kind of uh, struggle against a, a political rival quote unquote, Christian nationalism. So here's a little video that I made. This is um, uh, this is Jamar Tisby. OK, so this is one of the people in the documentary. We've talked about him before, author of Color of Compromise. I really take apart the argument in his book, in my book, Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict. Uh, but Jamar, um, he, he had a video. This is from, I think uh, this is from 2022. But this is a, a video that really shows you who Jamar Tisby thinks are good representatives of Christianity in the public square and politics, etc. And in this montage, you're going to see Jamar Tisby tout a bunch of names of people he thinks are doing it right. These are the, the good Christians, not the Christian nationalists. These are the good Christians involved in politics. It's the alternative vision for Christians because Christian nationalism very bad. Well, what is his vision exactly? What is he trying to promote? And, and who, what kind of uh, agenda would he have for being in a documentary like this, taking aim at Christian nationalism? So uh, here it is. This is a um, uh, a video that uh, I made right before we got on uh, air. The white Christian nationalist crusade threatens the future of our democracy. It's not the only way people of faith have engaged in politics. For example, 
The black Christian tradition represents a very different way people of faith have engaged with politics. A way that historically has led to more democratic participation and an expansion of civil rights and inclusion. No faith community is perfect and the black Christian tradition doesn't always get it right. But it serves as a valuable reminder that the white Christian nationalist crusade isn't the only witness to faith in politics. I'm not in love with politics. I'm in love with change. Politics is for me a tool. I got involved in something as messy as politics with the hope that I could continue to work on the issues that I've worked on anyway. Do you believe there should be any limitations on abortion set by the government? And you have 60 seconds. I think that the women of this country and the women of this state woke up one summer morning and a core protection that they've known for 50 years was taken from them by an extremist Supreme Court. Jesus had a record. Born in a barrio called Bethlehem, smuggled as an undocumented immigrant, raised in a ghetto called Nazareth. They brought him up on trumped up charges, but he was so powerful that he turned the scandal of the cross into an enduring symbol of victory over evil and injustice. We must all stand together across faith traditions, across racial lines, stand together, fight together, walk together, organize together, vote together, pray together, stay together. That there is a tradition of working toward a multiracial, inclusive democracy fueled by a very different understanding of Christianity. We can look at people like William J. Barber, who helped revive the Poor People's Campaign. We must have the most moral, massive, progressive vote-out turnout ever in the history of the United States. If we put you in, you better make abortion rights a national law. Latasha Brown, leader of Black Voters Matter. I'm a universalist Christian pastor. I've not had an abortion, but I strongly believe it's my right to choose. Happy coming out day to all my queer friends. Don't tell all the people who are my bosses in the denomination, but no, I do not believe in the literal second coming of Jesus Christ. A multifaceted, incredibly diverse panoply of personality and aspect that is God, God of many breasts. You get to name God the way you want to name God, and you get to name you the way you want to be named. And Chris Jones, physicist and ordained minister who's running for governor of Arkansas. You know, look, I have always said that I'm, I'm a supporter of Roe. It provided reasonable restrictions. Because as you noted, like, there do need to be reasonable restrictions. And yet, it's a decision between the woman, her faith, uh, and her, her God, uh, and her physician, and her family. All of them are vocal about the role of faith in their activism and working to break the old molds of whose voices and whose votes count in this country. White Christian nationalism is a dangerous and urgent threat in the United States. We should know about it, we should understand it, so we can resist this anti-democratic crusade. So there you have it. That's the political vision for Jamar Tisby's uh, Christian interaction in government. That's how Christians should behave. Uh, it, and of course it starts with, again, uh, it's very similar to the trailer that we just watched. It's, it's images from the civil rights movement. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Um, but you know, this is what he actually thinks of when he thinks of that particular political tradition. It's people who are very pro-abortion, people who are um, not just heretics, but like way out there. In fact, there were um, there are clips I didn't even include in this 
that I could have uh, that are, are just bonkers. Um, and in fact, I don't know if I'll have a chance to play them. Uh, we'll see if we have time later in the program. Someone can remind me in case I forget. But I have some clips of Anthea Butler, who's also participating in this documentary, talking about the superiority of an ind indigenous African religions to Christianity. And she's someone who claims to be Catholic. She's uh, apparently somewhat of a convert from, quote unquote, evangelicalism. At least that's what she says. And now she's she's just uh, she's going full radical. Um, here's a few quotes. She's in the documentary alongside Russell Moore and other supposed conservative evangelicals. Uh, she says that she wrote this book, White Evangelical Racism, because she was once an evangelical before and. Uh, now she's going back to the Catholic Church. That was in 2020. She said this. But uh, in her book, she says evangelicalism is synonymous with whiteness. It is not only cultural whiteness, but also political whiteness. So so in other words, it's and you'll find this um, throughout a lot of what she says. I, I just listened to a podcast with her and Bart Barber and a, a few other people talking about Christian nationalism. Bart Barber is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And to her, evangelicalism and Christian nationalism are basically synonymous. And, and this gets into the problem of the the net is cast so wide. And you see it in this documentary that as long as you're a Christian who wants to influence government by pursuing power and you're kind of scary, right? You have there's scary images of, of a guillotine uh, on January 6th that was more symbolic and it was smaller than I think there's a forced perspective in that photograph. But that's that's what it is. It's basically the combination of scariness and scary things that are, look symbolically frightening. Uh, plus Christians wanting power. That, that's, that's basically the, the, the image they're trying to give you. And, and that's just what evangelicals want, according to Anthea Butler. And of course, she's one of the experts. She teaches at, uh, I believe it's the University of Pennsylvania. And, you know, whiteness is what's behind this. That's what evangelicalism, whiteness, Christian nationalism, evangelicalism, it's all the same thing. Uh, she says, my answer is that evangelicalism is not a simply religious group at all. Rather, it is a nationalistic political movement whose purpose is to support the hegemony of white Christian men over and against the flourishing of others. So, doesn't matter if you are from a tradition that's uh let, let's say you're coming from a chinese christian tradition or something and you're evangelical you have evangelical convictions i mean it used to mean something the bebbington quadrilateral type stuff well actually you're just trying to support white men and their hegemony she says evangelicals consolidated power both by aligning themselves with the republican party and by taking on a moral mantle that showed off their strong stances against abortion and homosexuality Indeed, these were the two issues that would allow them to build their power through organizing and fundraising, and that would more and more allow them to align themselves with the electoral and presidential power. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, she says this is another quote from the book. Evangelicals begin to use the language of religious freedom as a way to exclude LGBTQ persons from civil rights and to lobby for special status in cases such as the Masterpiece Cake Shop case. The Masterpiece Cake Shop case originated in Colorado, where two gay men asked the Masterpiece Cake Shop to bake their wedding cake. The cake shop refused because of the owner's opposition to same-sex marriage and homosexuality on religious grounds. The religious freedom argument is an old one, originating in the 19th century when evangelicals used religious beliefs about race to separate their denominations and justify slavery. So uh, this is the, the common, honestly, you want to yawn because you hear it so many times, argument from progressives that the, the same group of people has just wanted to oppress. They're trying to hold on to power and oppress minorities and people they can take advantage of. And so LGBTQ plus people are just the latest iteration in this long chain of 
attempts to oppress. And this is the legacy of Christian nationalists or evangelicals or uh, white Christians. And, and, and that's the, the narrative that she's bringing to the table. And of course, she is in this documentary as well, alongside, again, Russell Moore, David French. They're all fighting the same threat, the same thing. They see a problem there and they want to do something about it. Well, in about eight minutes, uh, we're going to start taking some uh, whoever wants to come in chat and talk about what we just saw and what we're discussing. Um, I, I would say get in there now. If you have a chat, you want to just leave a, a comment, then you can make those comments. Uh, I usually look for the ones with question marks first. And uh, if you want to uh, become part of the program, uh, go to Patreon and you can find that link. Um, I want to find uh, I had just mentioned before. Now I, I forgot where I put it and I'm just going to look briefly the uh, Anthea Butler um, video that I had. Let's see if I can find it. Here it is. So here's another Anthea Butler. I think Butler. that we've been uh, bamboozled by evangelicalism. Hoodwinked? Well, I Hoodwinks. mean, Hoodwinked. <laughs> bamboozled. <laughs> I mean, there, there are lots of ways. I mean, I think, you know, we could just start out with a white Jesus in your house. If you got a picture up of Warner Salmon's Jesus with that long hair looking like a white surfer boy from California, like he looks like he should be playing, you know, uh, basically the Beach Boys, maybe you need to rethink your idea about Jesus in your head. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, is the ways in which we bought into certain, certain kind of cultural evangelical norms. And I'm sure we're going to get on Lil Nas X in a little bit, and uh, we can talk about that. But the ways in which they think about purity culture, the ways in which they think about voting, the ways in which they think about education, the ways they think about a lot of different things, even gun ownership. I think that we need to really step back and look at what scripture is saying instead of what evangelicals are saying and how they are controlling the narrative of the culture about morality. It's interesting. Uh, I have a lot of I have a handful of friends who uh, who have more indigenous faith. Uh, they may be from the Caribbean mm -hmm. and. When I think about them, and I say this respectfully to anybody out there listening, we're just having this conversation, they don't seem to have the same kind of religious guilt. Is there something that we're missing, not embracing some of our indigenous faith? I think the, the connection there is about family and about your ancestors and about the ways in which you look at the earth and all of the things that are in it and how that relates to who you are as a human being. It's a holistic kind of faith. What some of parts of Christianity ask you to do is to you know dissect yourself from that. And so what people need to understand, and you know, maybe the, you know, we're saying not having the hangups, is that Western Christianity is based in Western modes of thought. Those are not African modes of thought. And so when we're talking about how this sort of Western dichotomy about spirit and soul, you know, Soma and Sark, right? All of these things that we're doing disconnect us from the way we are supposed to be connected in nature to each other, to the cosmos, all of these things. And so I think what, you know, African traditional religions do for people is to give them a more holistic way of looking at the world. So, you know, I don't have those kinds of hangups that other, you know, Christians might have about these faiths in part because I think they're an important part of how, you know, Africans were able to do the kinds of things they did before enslavement and after. The black mm. church has a problem with homophobia. The black church needs to get over it because they know they would never be able to field the choir. They would never have any programs in their church or anything. But that, but even more than that, it's not just about that. It's about the acceptance of people when we have been through so much that you want to use sexuality as a way to define whether God loves somebody or not. That's not your call. It's not your call. And so I completely disagree with all of this. I am, you know, open and affirming and accepting of everybody. 
I don't need to know what you're doing in your house. I don't want to know what heterosexual people are doing in their house. To be honest with you, I don't care. But what has happened is that we have inculcated this white evangelical ideas about sexuality and purity and everything else that makes us bound up, that keeps us in chains and keeps us from realizing the fullness of potential of ourselves and each other when we begin to think about all the things that God could do for us. Yes. And I, I often remind people when you think of, again, indigenous faith, uh, they, they didn't use this language, though, but they believed in gender fluidity. Uh, there was, but they, they didn't use that kind of language then, of course, but that's, it's well documented. It's, mm-hmm. it's well documented. Now, I, I'm not an expert on, quote unquote, indigenous faith. So I, there is this skepticism I have, like, like, to what extent did they as like a monolithic, like how many tribal animistic religions are we talking about here? I don't know. But uh, they all believed in gender fluidity, really. Okay, well, whether they did or didn't, um, here you have a critic who's claiming to be critiquing Christian nationalism from the inside, at least as a Catholic, someone who has a respect supposedly for Christianity, uh, alongside Russell Moore and David French, right, critiquing Christianity. And her main thrust in this uh, clip, you you see, is that the white evangelical church, uh, whiteness, quote unquote, Western civ really is what she's talking about. Modes of thinking here. That's responsible for all the bad stuff, including in her mind, the discrimination she sees against LGBT people in the black church. So you you have uh, the black church doesn't meet the standard, the progressive standard she has, right? Because they don't accept homosexuality as strongly as she does. And uh, that is just the result, though, in that case of it's, it's the white people again. It's their fault. So the black church isn't as responsible as the quote unquote white people for this. I mean, it, it's just CRT stuff. It, this is where the thinking comes from. That's why Christian nationalism, quote unquote, offends her. Uh, she doesn't like it when people who are on the right, who have actual biblical values, not pagan animistic values, um, actually want to have an influence in the government. And that's all it takes. And, and that's, I think, one of the takeaways of this is that uh, the net is cast so wide. I mean, you can try to do the G3 thing uh, where you, you, you know, parse everything out and say, you know, we, we believe in this kind of civil engagement. And so we re- reject Christian nationalism. I mean, that's fine if you want to try to make those arguments and stuff. The reality is, though, if you had someone in the G3 orbit and, and I'm I don't want to just specifically pick on G3. It's just that um, in the last the last podcast, we talked about Josh Bice. Um, raising the alarm that Christian nationalism is vilified by the media as if I guess we didn't know that and that he predicted this. And and this is a bad thing somehow that it, it, they're going to come for us. It's going to be negative. And it, you know, the thing is, if Josh Bice were elected to political office, they would call him a Christian nationalist in about 0.5 seconds. He wouldn't even have to be elected. He'd just have to say that he's thinking of running and he would there would be hit pieces on him. That's just the nature of the beast right now. Uh, so um, yes, there, there are people who have taken this term, appropriated it, tried to finely tune what they mean, either injecting it with uh, a more robust understanding of theonomy or um, classical Protestant political theology. But whether they do that or not, the, the media who came up with this scare word is going to define it as really any Christian on the right who wants to be involved and try to have any influence. So uh, that's what's going on. And I will mention this as well. Uh, we're about we're a few minutes away from taking uh, questions, but I wanted to show you this. The director of this particular documentary uh, on Christian nationalism is a, by, a guy by the name of Robert Reiner. And, and Robert Reiner, if you look at his pedigree here, uh, he has directed or acted in movies like um, The Wolf of Wall Street, 
and he has been involved with either directing or acting in a lot of raunchy uh, sitcoms. And, and so one of the things that I thought was interesting, because I thought, well, you know, is, is this particular gentleman, he, he claimed in a tweet that he put out there that, you know, Christian nationalism is this big threat uh, and it's a threat to Christianity as well. So he, he seemed to indicate that he has a concern for Christianity. So I thought, well, is he a Christian? Uh, is he like Russell Moore and saying, claiming to be a Christian and saying there's this this pariah, this threat that's come upon us. Well, no, you actually look at, so he's, Demo, he's, he's part of the Democratic Party on Wikipedia, right? This is Wikipedia, so uh, I'm assuming they got this correct. But if you go to um, his religion, uh, let's see if I can find, I'll probably have to do a, a search here. Um, atheist, let's see if it comes. All right, so he was raised in a Jewish household for some reason, my search bar is not working. But in this particular article, it talks about how um, he went from uh, here it is. Uh, it says that he became an atheist, uh, his father, as the Holocaust progressed. And then Rob identified himself as having no religious affiliation on Bill Maher um, and as an atheist. <laughs> so um, and, and now he is sympathetic to the ideas of Buddhism. OK, so this is the guy who's directing the Christian nationalist documentary. He's got sympathies with Buddhism. He's um, uh, an atheist, but he grew up Jewish. And, um, you know, a guy that seems to really care. I mean, this is this is what Russell Moore and David French and Kristen do. I mean, they, they all want to tell you that they're, they're so concerned about this heresy of Christian nationalism and pursuing power as if that's the worst thing in the world. Uh, because if Christians have power, what are they going to do with it? I, I maybe, I don't know. You know, maybe if they're uh, actual Christians, they'll try to support God's law. I mean, it seems better than the alternative. Of, of course, any person can be evil and do evil things, but that would be the the ideal that you have someone who thinks lying's wrong and stealing's wrong, and and uh, it, it's uh, things that um, the Bible principles that the Bible gives us about running governments should be applied in government context. I mean, that'd be a good thing you you would think, and they should support that. But they're um, they're very concerned about it. And so what do they do? They become part of this effort by an atheist with Buddhist sympathies who grew up Jewish <laughs> alongside a bunch of heretics and uh, truly radical leftists who want to push abortion and LGBT stuff uh, to to take aim at the real threat, which is apparently Christian nationalism. So um, there you go. Um, I'm going to start taking uh, questions and comments. Uh, before we do, though, I want to just bring um, Ray Fava has been waiting patiently and anyone else who wants to uh, come on the video chat or just be part of the audio, uh, you can go to pa uh, patreon.com forward slash worldview convos. And um, you should be able to find the or is it worldview? I think it's worldview conversation. Forgetting my own Patriot uh, Patreon website here. Yeah, worldview conversation. And you'll be able to find uh, the link there. Um, all right, Ray, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, Thanks for waiting. You know, I see a lot of familiar faces in the chat. So uh, hello, everybody who knows me and hello to those who don't. Uh, just a slight correction. Uh, Rob Reiner's the producer of the movie, not the director. Okay. But all right. I was writing the article last night. Point and stands. I want, <laughs> and I wanted to like say, you know, what has Rob Reiner really done? But, it, you know, it turns out he's made like two pretty good movies. This is Spinal Tap and a few good men and he also made one of the most overrated movies in the 1980s a princess bride um oh he made the so, princess bride so he's yeah a, so he's a that and hero, ridley yeah. scott's blade runner are the two most overrated 80s movies but yeah but um, i mean being the producer means he's advocating for the message and of course that means he's funny yeah so, um and he gets a nice title credit so 
Um, yeah, watching that trailer made me want to smoke a cigarette, and I don't smoke. Um, if you're familiar with his anti-smoking activism. Oh, no, they, I didn't know about that. Yeah, they made a South Park joke about uh, a South Park episode about him. Um, yeah. So so he's uh, uh, I mean, I guess what I'm saying still stands, though. I mean, he's he's involved. The advocate. Oh, yeah. The message he's on the website. He has no um, there should be no interest that he has in defending or preserving Christianity. That's not his motive here, of course. And, and I don't think it's the motive of anyone in this. That's what I think the Russell Moore and David French and Christian Dumez, that's what they'll tell you they're doing. They're trying to preserve true Christianity against this false uh, heresy. But the only thing I keep hearing from them is that, well, seeking power is, is the problem. And, um, I, you know, I just wonder if they remember Bible verses like all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't matter if you even hit the mark. If you just desire to live godly, you'll be persecuted. Uh the world is going to come after you no matter what, even if you are a hypocrite, but you want something that's even semi-moral that convicts them of their sin, opposes immorality, they're, they're going to come after you. And um, I think that's what we see happening here. There's a, a strategy to kind of besmirch anyone who would be politically engaged as a Christian. So, um, yeah, there, there's like a sense in which they want to paint Christian nationalism as this, you know, hyper Pentecostal, uh, yeah, it, just a lot of the stuff you saw in that sequence, you know, J six hyper Pentecostal. And then, you know, I, I think there's going to be a pivot to where they're actually going to talk about what Christians have pretty much always believed. And they're going to really just focus on attacking standard Christian thought and practice. And, you know, supposedly the rumor is Stephen Wolf is going to be a major factor in it, but where did that if come from? Because I haven't found anything. Someone saw a, a preview of the actual documentary or how, how do we know Stevens in it? Supposedly. Um, okay. But the if you look at the cast and characters in it, are, are these people that have a history of attacking, you know, you know, hyper charismatic Pentecostalism that you see in like, you know, that would be attending every Trump rally and praying to that? Actually, no, I, Anthea uh, Butler, yes. Well, yes. She, she, yeah, I, I found funny enough, Anthea Butler's kind of claim to fame in in uh, critiquing Christians is her first book, which which is against the prosperity gospel. She has a whole section on her site about the prosperity gospel. And I, I think I've made the point for a while that, yes, the prosperity gospel is a huge problem. Um, and I'm grateful for the men uh, who have stepped forward and critiqued that. But you have to understand that the beast that has arisen now, this uh, woke kind of social justice monster, if you will, that wants to reappropriate Christianity for liberation theology, uh, that uh, particular movement also hates the prosperity gospel. At least they say they do, um, which is, it, it's fascinating to me because anyway, I, we could go down a rabbit hole on right. that. But, you, know, but you, you talk they, about Russell Moore, uh, David French, Kristen Dumez. Uh, I want to say Andrew Whitehead would probably also be in this list of, you know, they're basically just attacking Christians for, you know, wanting to engage in politics. He didn't make it to the trailer though. So <laughs> he didn't, he's on the website. He's on the website. So, and yeah. neither did um, Karen Swallow prior, you know, you thought you'd, she'd get I, a, I didn't see her in the website either. She just, yeah. Stephen Wolf's in it, but not KSP. Apparently that's uh, the rumor. Blake Callens is left out. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so there's some people who wanted to be part of it that, that probably didn't, but, but I mean, I made the, you know, the comment in my article on this was like, you know, they got the usual cast and characters that they could just hire out. I mean, the only one missing as far as people that will sell themselves to the world is Dan Darling. Right. But they got the usuals. 
Well, uh, let me uh, give you a plug. Uh, you want to tell people where they can find the article you wrote about this documentary? Uh, EvangelicalDarkWeb.org. Uh, there's no video on it on the Evangelical Dark Web YouTube channel because, you know, I did a live stream last night, so I didn't want to record a video after that. But, um, yeah, there's more articles and videos, though. So awesome. Yo, you do you good, go. good work, Ray, and uh, I, I appreciate uh, people like you who give your time. You're not you know, being funded by any company or anything to just – kind of track what's going on uh, in Christianity and provide some discernment. So um, check it out. Go to the Evangelical uh, Dark Web. Um, we have, um, and, and thanks, Ray. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, we have with us uh, Sean Graham as well. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Hey, John, how's it going, man? Good, good. What are your thoughts on the trailer? Well, I, it just really just overwhelms me to sit here and think about how everybody in, in this trailer they were the same people that were decrying the enemies within the church movie when it came out. And they were so adamant that it was so evil for everyone to have this non-winsome tone. And you you could not speak out in this way. You could not talk about leaders within the church. You were making enemies. It was an us and them statement. How can you do How dare you? And, and here's Russell Moore, the poster child for us and them now he uh, here's david french the poster child for us and them and there's articles i mean if you look back they were all talking about this isn't winsome we could we can do this in a more winsome way and the, and the the way they treated people like bobby and uh, just just there's a there's a list of people that they berated and they treated like second class citizens and they treated them as if what was coming out in that movie Originally, the enemies within the church was well. Judd Saul did an excellent job with that. Yeah. Well documented, well footnoted, and he still stands by the claims that are on there and on the website today. I, I cannot get my head around just the duplicity of this trailer. I can't wait to see the movie because it's going to be nothing but, um, you know, insanity. I, I can't. I can't wait. You're going to you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get a ticket and actually go see this thing. <laughs> no, it'll be it'll go straight to the DVD rack. What are you talking? No, about? it's it's coming out in theaters. It said. <laughs> There's that's, that's no the way. Said. No, uh, I don't know. It, it's got the backing of a big uh, Hollywood producer. That's something okay. that we don't have uh, on the more conservative side of things. So you know, maybe it will. Who knows? But well, yeah, John, tell think... me, how do you, what do you think about when you when you compare and contrast? The reaction to when everybody heard that enemies when the church was coming out, you had people distancing yourself from it. You had oh, yeah. people who did not want their name anywhere associated anywhere with anybody. Yes. And, and this is completely the opposite. You've got people on the left. I mean, look, David French being able to have one of the largest pulpits, because that's what he has at the New York Times. He's the dark horse pulpit. He has the greatest audience of liberals out there. And you won't hear him decry how this tone or this winsomeness or, the, or come out against how evil it is to speak ill of your fellow brother or your believer. And it, it, it's just it's the duplicity is just driving me crazy. I've, I've spent the last ever since I saw the trailer come out. I'm just laughing. And yeah, it, it's strange. Um, yeah. And I, I don't people have their reasons for why they do want to be in something or don't want to be in something. But you did have a lot of even quote unquote conservative people. And, and some of them actually are pretty conservative uh, in the things they believe, um, you know, distancing themselves from enemies within the church. The, I remember uh, there were um, interviews filmed with people like Josh Bice. Mm -hmm. um, I think James White was interviewed. Um, I'm trying to think Tom Buck, I think was interviewed and, and they, they all, you know, didn't want to be part of the, the final uh, production 
um, you had, and, and I could, I, I guess I probably already stepped out on a limb just mentioning that, but I could mention many other names in the conservative world. And, and like I said, they, they have their reasons for doing so. And I'm not saying that they didn't have, um, you know, reasons that were disparate from one another. Uh, I, no one's ever told me directly, at least from them, they haven't told me what their reasons were, but it, it, it is an odd thing that, um, what was the university that Trevor Loudon was speaking at? Wasn't that mid, mid America yeah. seminary? Yeah. It was mid America, which yeah, is the here, most conservative, yeah. supposedly associated Baptist seminary. And he was told as he got there, they paid for a booth and everything. He, he can't show this film. Um, and, and so I'm not saying any of this to pick on Mid-America Seminary or any of the guys I just mentioned by name. I'm not saying that they are, uh, you know, because I haven't been told their reasons from them. I don't know what their ideas are. But the, the thing I think you can take away from this is that there was such little support. There was such little support for an effort. And I don't know of any other real efforts to make documentary films uh, of this nature. I know, uh, was it Salem? I think had one come out much later mm -hmm. that, that I understand wasn't, I didn't see it, but people who saw it said it wasn't very, very powerful at all. Um, and, and so you have like this one documentary that tries to expose this stuff. It's underfunded. It's not supported. It takes forever for it to come out. And with something like this, you know, we want to rail against Christian nationalism during an election year. Boom. The money's there. The support's there. You have the who's who of, you know, the leftist, I, I'll just say leftist, evangelical world ready to support it. They are, they work like a hand in glove. Uh, they work like a well-oiled machine. And our side is just, I don't know, what, what is it? I mean, I, I've tried to approach this question. I've had my own explanations, well, you but, and, uh, you know, you're involved with <clears throat> Christians of Tennessee. You're on the radio, on bot radio. So what's, what's the going on there? Well, well, John, I think it's funny. You and I can sit here and debate, are we really Christian nationals? Are we going to hang this mantra on ourselves? You know, you and I, I don't believe you've come out publicly and said, oh, I, I'm I'm a CN card carrying member. I know I haven't. Um, and I know many people I respect haven't, but are still fully supporting where this movement is taking Protestantism right now. And I think that's what we have to focus on on our side of the game. What are we doing that's moving the ball in a more biblical manner? Okay, so if we're promoting family growth and we're promoting Christian values within our church that are from the Bible and not from some African uh, ancestry worship or whatever she was talking about, I don't know what, that was craziness. Um, I, yeah, you and I are Christian nationalists then. So we're going to have to embrace it because the world's going to insist that's who we are. Now, in our camp, we're going to sit here and squabble with each other. And this is the, this is the problem I have with G3. We're not squabbling over whether we're brothers or whether we're Protestants or whether we're Baptists. It's it's just tiny stuff that some people are making a really, really big deal about. And I think we've got to stop. Look, I'm not saying we shouldn't argue over the things that do matter because you and I both know we I'm willing to talk and debate all these issues for days. But there comes a point where they're just going to label us all Christians. And if that makes us who we are in their hated worldview, we got to embrace that a little bit. We've got to be man enough to stand up and say, hang whatever label you want on me. I'm in God's camp. Well, and I think that's the point. It's not that you you take the label necessarily and say, well, I'm going to go wave that flag. But when someone does attack you or call you whatever, they could call you a Christo-fascist, right? They could try right. something you really don't think represents your views, but you're not going to spend all your energy on trying to distance yourself right. from the other quote unquote Christian fascists to what your, good does it do to you? your, you know, where it, it, it really just divides and conquer. That's the strategy right. divide and conquer. So you just have to keep attacking you just have to keep 
um, attacking what they're doing because what and they're John, doing. I don't, yeah, I don't want you to slow down. I, that's the whole yeah. point of this. I, I want you to continue on in your ministry, and I want you to continue reaching people as with bold stance. Be brave with what you have. You know the word. Stand on the truth and and be bold with it. And you know what. Come what may, brother, we're going to stand together and they can call us whatever they want. You and I know the truth at the end of the day, and it's not us that they hate. It's God. That's right. And That's so right. That's exactly we're right. We're going to take the arrows, man. It's not going to matter. Well, uh, what do you want to plug? Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. Actually, yeah. nothing. I'm not here to plug anything. Oh, I'm going goodness. to have you on the show, and we're going to talk about some other stuff later on for, on other topic. But I always appreciate coming on here. I just want your audience to know what a great guy you are for reaching out to other groups. You're on a ton of different podcasts and radio stations and stuff like that. And uh, your listeners just need to know you're always willing to spread this information in other places. So, uh, John, I just thank you. And I just wanted to say at Christmas time here to you, your wife and all your family, Merry Christmas. And uh, I'm going to get off of here and go do some stuff, listen to you. But I appreciate all you're doing for us, brother. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas, Sean. Feelings mutual. Thank you. All right, buddy. Well, Sean, uh, he's a part of the Conservative Christians of Tennessee. And uh, he has a show on Bot Radio with Matthew Nallen, and he's the real deal, too. And I like working with guys like that because um, you can tell right away, and I've known him now for a few years, he is not about himself, his building his own platform, his own. He, he's about what's the goal that we have? What are we trying to do? What does the Lord commanded us to do? And um, I don't care who gets the credit or the glory. I'm just about that. And, and I have to tell you, that is so rare. It is so rare. And I thought that was common. I thought that's the way that a lot of most people thought at the higher levels. Not not so much. And I've learned that over the last few years. Um, when you find someone like that, uh, they're worth their weight in gold. Now, I have some um, some questions that are coming in. Uh, there's a lot of questions coming in and in comments. I've been trying to keep up. But here's uh, here's a few. Let's start with Dale Thomas. These folks that profess Christianity and yet promote the whole gay agenda and support abortion, isn't that all basically idolatry? The focus is on self and what I want. What are your thoughts? Uh, yes, <laughs> I agree with you. Um, and some of them don't seem to even promote an orthodox version of Christianity, if any of them really do, but they, some of them say they do. And uh, and and so, yeah, their, their focus is on really trying to protect their... Uh, the sins that they find um, expedient, convenient, uh, defensible, that the sins they want to be uh, allowed to occur. And so, of course, uh, abortion and uh, homosexual related activities are certainly some of the biggest, I, I would say, tests that conservative Christians will apply just because they're so blatant and so against God's word. Um, but, you know, you could talk about other things, too. I mean, immigration policy certainly comes up a lot in this. And, and what you what you find is there's kind of like the, the, the way that these leftists view the family is the same way they view the nation, that families uh, can be whatever you really want to make them. Uh, and there's there's hardly there's really no definition uh, to what a family uh, can or can't be. You make it up. It's the same thing with the nation. The nation is really anything you want it to be. And and so, you know, having a border is just kind of. Uh, and enforcing it is really exclusionary and wrong. And um, but you heard with the the one um, now I can't remember her name. Uh, which one was it? It was it was uh, it wasn't Anthea Butler. Uh, it was uh, now. Well, I'll have to go back in my own video to find out who I was talking about. But uh, another um, person who was part of this trailer, uh, you saw in the montage uh, that I played um, that you know she, she she thought God 
should be defined by us as well, right? So literally, you know, straight out of the devil's playbook, it, it is a God made in your image. It is idolatry, uh, plain and simple. Uh, not the idolatry of the family, loving your wife too much. No, like like the <laughs> blatant idolatry. You get to define who God is for you. Uh, who is the target audience, Leah asks, for the documentary? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that they're trying to uh, get Christians to uh, separate themselves from right-leaning political action. The other Paul says, do you think these speakers in the documentary believe their own Kool-Aid or no, the stupidity of their argument and yet employ it for higher ends that they largely keep quiet? So how subversive are they? I don't know. I, I think some of them probably are subversive. I think some of them are true believers. Um, I think a lot of them do believe their own Kool-Aid. You know, Russell Moore and David French are just because I've watched them for years. They're extremely political people. I mean, you know, David French, you go back and Russell Moore, too. You'll find conservative things they say years ago. You see, David French in 2015 wrote an article for National Review defending the Confederate flag. I mean, he would never do that now. He's, you know, Russell Moore uh, even said that he was for patriarchy. And then going back, I don't know, 15, 20 years, whatever it was, uh, he, he had a paper that said that. And so, so these are positions they once held that now they would distance themselves from. And when it, they voiced those positions, it was to their advantage. Now it's not. So I think there is some probably some of that going on. Um, what is your definition of Christian nationalism, asks Baker Canner. Uh, that's a good question. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I've, I've talked about this multiple times on this podcast and other podcasts. Um, like I said at the beginning of this particular podcast, there is a definition uh, that you can go to historically that really was more of a Fabian socialism applied to Christianity. That's not what we're talking about today, though. So, I've, I've written about that because it's something I could seek my teeth into. And I think as a more of a historian, I like to look at things in the past that have movements, especially that have ended because you can define them. Um, but movements that are in flux, in progress, very hard to define. And I think this movement is somewhat uh, in flux. Um, I think that in some ways it's an extension of the religious right of the 80s. In fact, uh, Anthea Butler's book, that's what she talks about that this is just, this has been always there. Christian nationalism is, uh, you know, hundreds of years old. In, in the uh, talk with Bart Barber, she had at, um, I forget what event it was, but uh, I think it was her, the moderator said something like that. They said, oh, you know, Christian nationalism is hundreds of years old. And basically it's when Christians try to um, invoke power and promote themselves and, and into political office and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that's, the wide net the left wants to cast that's what they want to call christian nationalism and they want to say it's connected to racism and uh homophobia and all these other things um and then of course there's the the positive definitions that certain people have tried to use to appropriate it you have like the statement on christian nationalism which uh, a number of I, I believe is baptists and presbyterians mostly baptists i think though uh came up with which um, it's really just basic, you know, civil engagement. Christians should be civilly engaged. Nations exist. We should um, try to apply God's law. You, you could be a theonomist, but you don't have to be. Um, you have Stephen Wolf, who I, his definition um, is seeking the uh, higher, well, I, I'm not quoting it directly, but it's seeking the uh, positive action for Christians uh, in a nation and self conceiving the nation as Christian. That's one of the things that the G3 contingent really takes an issue with is 
uh, the self-conception of Christian. Uh, why, uh, you know, what is a nation? And then why should a nation conceive of itself as Christian if not everyone's saved in that particular nation? And so those discussions have been happening. Um, so so that th there's kind of like a, a number of definitions that are competing out there. But I think the one that's the most relevant is the one that the media uses, which is basically if you're a Christian and you want to actually be a Christian in the political sphere, uh, you're a Christian nationalist. That's basically how they apply it. And so practically speaking, that's what we're going to see uh, influence the electoral politics. Now, I, I think what Stephen Wolf's doing has some merit, too, because people who are attracted to the label or wondering what it is, um, it gives him an opportunity to then educate them on Protestant uh, thinking on politics. Uh, myself personally, uh, this is the precise reason I don't use the label of myself, even though I have friends who do utilize the label for themselves, um, because I, I don't think that it's well-defined. And, um, and, and maybe that's the reason is because the media has the biggest bullhorn and they're the ones controlling the narrative. And so, you know, and I understand their logic behind appropriating the term, but um, I just think that it, it's a bit of a muddy term. And, um, and you know, I, I think there are some prudential arguments for why some people don't want to use it, to be honest. I think but they're prudential. That's the thing that you got to realize. It's not that uh, it's necessarily morally wrong or it's a theological heresy or it's, you know, whatever. Um, it's linked with kinism. It's, it's more just, hey, is this going to further the, the needle uh, towards the direction we want it? Is this going to be a helpful term? Or is this going to be a term that causes more confusion? I think that's the main main question. And um, and it's a difficult thing to probe. And it's a difficult thing, in, in especially this time period, where the left has such a big microphone to um, discuss. So um, sorry for the long, convoluted answer there. But uh, um, I'm going to go through two more questions, or three. And then uh, we're actually going to go. William Wolf just entered the video uh, feed. So we'll go to him. He does take the label Christian nationalist. So maybe we can ask him. Um, we have Friar John Whitehead. Africans have no patience for LGBTQP nonsense. And I think that's a great point because Anthea Butler, who is part of this trailer, is saying that, you know, basically African Christianity, it's not Christianity, African animism is superior to Christianity. But if you look at the African nations, who are the ones that are passing the most aggressively, uh, you know, anti-homosexual bills and so forth? It's, it's African nations. So it is kind of ironic, isn't it? Um, prepped for eternity homestead says question is the Christian nationalism the same as theonomy? Uh, I think I already kind of touched on that. Yes and no. I mean, there's people, there's theonomists who want to appropriate the term. Of course, there's theonomists who want to distance themselves and say Christian nationalism is horrible and bigoted. And so, um, there, there are two things, but in some people's minds, there's overlap. Uh, no, it's not the same thing necessarily. I mean, it's, it's, I think a lot more, I think the bar is much lower. You, to be called a Christian nationalist, and even in all the competing versions, uh, you don't have to endorse necessarily, uh, unless unless it's the theonomic versions, uh, you know, every single aspect of the Mosaic law being applied in the modern day, um, which is, is kind of my working understanding of theonomy. And I know there's going to be some theonomists who might quibble with that. And yes, I've, I've read Greg Bonson stuff. I read Rush Dooney stuff. I, you know, I understand to some extent where they're coming from, Gary DeMar. And, but um but that's kind of my understanding. And, uh, and, and I don't think that that's necessarily the same as Christian nationalism. You, you could say that they, these two things can work together, but I think Christian nationalism, um, as a movement is more of a, an instinct, uh, of, uh, it's an identity, it's an instinct. It's a, just sort of a broad understanding of, you know, we need to push for Christian 
things in the public sphere. And so anyway, um, last question for now, was America ever considered a Christian nation? I think it was mostly considered a Christian nation until like five seconds ago, to be quite honest with you, in the sense of um, it's influenced by Christian ideas, laws, habits, traditions, it's law, legal system is uh, Christian, uh, it's holidays they celebrate are Christian. Um, so that was the default setting until very recently. Uh, so, so yes, in that sense, it uh, doesn't mean everyone was born again. And I don't think that, you know, that was the popular understanding ever to be quite honest with you, but, um, you can keep, uh, putting your questions and comments in the chat. I'm going to go to William Wolf right now. Hey, William, how you doing? Good, John. How are you? Doing well. So maybe you want to take a crack at uh, the definition there. Someone just asked me what Christian nationalism was before you came on and what was my definition. And I gave a long convoluted answer, but you kind of uh, take the term for yourself. So what do you think Christian nationalism is? Well, you know, in light of this trailer, it's fascinating. And and really, my understanding of Christian nationalism was developed in response to uh, the 2016 election and the anti-Christian nationalism literature that was propagated to sort of explain how Donald Trump could have been elected, right? And some some folks like Andrew Seidel and Robert P. Jones, Jamar Tisby, David French, you know, they argue in a nutshell, you know, Christian nationalists elected Donald Trump. But who do they mean by that? They mean the American evangelical voter base. So for, you know, seven, eight years now, this has just been an effort to disenfranchise the American Christian voter. So my definition of Christian nationalism really boils down to Christians who want to see you know, good laws that reflect God's moral law enacted into law in our country, such as ending abortion, preserving traditional marriage, respecting the rights of children, you know, vis-a-vis surrogacy arrangements that we've seen, you know, uh, out and loud on social media here recently. It's really nothing scary. And it's nothing that Baptists, I'm a Baptist, you know, shouldn't be able to get behind. But I also think this trailer is important because it shows us it doesn't matter what your definition of Christian nationalism is. If you're a Christian who wants to work for good laws in the American public square and political arena, the left is going to call us that. You bring up the Baptist thing, which is interesting because I was just listening and we don't have time for it today because we've been going about an hour already. But there is a, a talk. I don't know if you've listened to it with uh, Anthea Butler and Bart Barber, the president of the SBC. And there's clips of it have been released. Have you listened to those clips? I haven't listened to the clips yet, but I'm aware that it happened. And I know who she is. Right. So, yeah, it's on YouTube. It was released, I think, about a month ago. And I listened to the whole thing today. Um, And um, it it was interesting because Bart Barber is is definitely to the right of Anthea Butler. Uh, She's going after evangelicals with a very broad net. And she even says that Jesus is um, uh, basically was racist (laughs) because of the way uh, he treated the Syrophoenician woman, but, um, but, but anyway, one of the discussions that, um, gets going and, and there's like an agreement between Bart Barber and Anthea Butler is on the Baptist approach to politics and the, both of them. And you can see Bart desperately trying to show, uh, we're not Christian nationalists because we're Baptists. Right. And I, of course you're a Baptist. So I mean, you hear this all the time. Uh, I've heard it from, I, I think I forget it was Josh Bice or Scott and Neil. One of those guys also wrote an article basically saying that, you know, Baptists, think differently about this than Presbyterians and, and that's Christian nationalism is a Presbyterian project. Uh, so what do you say to that? Well, look, I think that what I would say is that this is a great example of the failures of Baptist leadership in the public square of the last decade. The fact that we see Russell Moore in this trailer, who we 
we gave him our tie dollars for many years to represent Baptist in the public square. And now he's joining in with atheists and radical progressive leftists to demonize and disenfranchise the very people that he was supposed to represent. I see a similar thing at play, not as extreme, when Bart Barber legitimizes Anthea Butler by joining a panel with her. And so, you know, I think that, you know, I, I don't, I can understand why Baptists are hesitant about the term and, and, but I'd say really like the point right now that we're facing in America is that we need a strong, um, unapologetic Baptist voice in the public square that's defending the historic American understanding of religious liberty and not the, you know, the post Warren court understanding of religious liberty. And that defends the, uh, the understanding that America was founded you know, in many ways as a Christian nation, that Christianity is the religion that's helped this nation flourish and that the Christian truth is the one true truth. I don't know why any Baptist would shy away from that and wanting to see that reflected in our laws. All laws will legislate some morality. Christians should unapologetically say it should be our morality that should be legislated. So I think if you explain it to Baptists like that, it helps bring them on. But what I want Baptists to see, John, is that we are not represented at the elite levels by people who share the concerns and the commitments of the people in the Southern Baptist pews across America. Well, of course, you know, the, the common retort is that Baptists fled to America to escape persecution. And then Roger Williams, even though he wasn't a Southern Baptist, is kind of this archetypal figure to contrast with the Puritans. And that's who uh, the Baptist tradition, uh, who stands in the Baptist tradition. And so um, it's about this religious uh, toleration or religious freedom. And because of that, there should not be a specific Christian vision for the political order, but this kind of general uh, common good vision, which, you know, I have trouble kind of separating those things, but that's the argument you commonly hear. Yeah, well, to that, I'd say you just have to think about it for a second, right? If there's going to be a vision for the common good, that is going to be a moral vision. And all moral visions are fundamentally fundamentally theological in nature. You can't have an, you know, just a loose morality that's based on nothing. And in the American Christian history, in American history and in our American Christian context, that's been an unapologetic Christian vision for much of our shared, you know, moral life, what we understand to be the common good. And so, you know, I don't I don't need Baptists or I don't want necessarily, you know, all 14 million Baptists in the Southern Baptist Convention to call themselves Christian nationalists. But what Baptists do need to see is that they're going to be called that if they want to do things like end abortion, provide equal protection for the unborn, to be politically engaged. And we need leaders who come alongside us and defend us in those efforts, not join in this you know, progressive bashing of politically engaged Christians like we're seeing with this trailer and with the current and former crop of political Baptist leaders that we've had. Yeah, no, very good. Um, William, where can people find you? And if you want to plug anything, go for it. Well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'd certainly also plug the work of American Reformer and your organization, TruthScript, trying to help provide people with a better uh, understanding of Christian political theology and how we can be unashamed about what we believe in the public square. This whole effort is just an effort to shame us and silence us. And that's the last thing our country needs right now. Yeah. Well, thank you, William. I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, God bless. And uh, if people have questions, I would just encourage follow William's Twitter account. I don't know how you do it, William. You got a family. You you work. I think you work. <laughs> you I work do. A lot. Yes. Yes. You, yeah. You go to school, and yet you're on I, Twitter. I write. <laughs> yeah. You're. You're. Yeah. Well, you're it's it's pretty amazing. easy, man. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> All right. Well, God bless, man. Good to see you. God Merry bless Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas. 
All right. Well, um, any final questions? Uh, I, I will take them and then we're going to land the plane. Um, so someone asked, is there a money trail to follow? John Saylor asked this, and uh, I think there probably is. Yes, uh, I would I would assume so. Um, do I know exactly what the money uh, trail is? Uh, no, <laughs> uh, I don't know. And of course, um, I think most people are familiar with uh, the evangelical immigration table. And I mean, that's kind of a low hanging fruit at this point. You know, George Soros uh, funded in part evangelical immigration table. Uh, so y you have that, uh, and the ERLC was part of that. I think they still are, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you know, there's these connections, but, uh, you know, as far as some real money, um, you know, th there's, there's ideas out there, you know, two people to maybe talk to about that would be Judd Saul, uh, from enemies within the church and then Megan Basham from the daily wire. She's done some work on this. Um, I will say one thing and I can't give you details yet. There is, and, and this is not, I don't think the full picture, but there is a narrative that has yet to really be discussed publicly um, concerning the Southern Baptist Convention that I have just figured out. It's become more clear to me in the last few weeks that perfectly explains how the conservatives are outvoted every single election and how money from the SBC itself is weaponized against conservatives. I'm not going to give you more details on that right now because I, I really I want to get my ducks in a row. But um, that's something that I have been thinking about and working on and not just me. Um, Robert Sparkman said, John, do you think that the woke church is basically the evolution of the secular church that Machen addressed in his book, Christianity and, and liberalism? I mean, yeah, to some extent, sure. Um, this, you know, Machen said liberalism was a different religion than Christianity. Essentially, it's not even Christianity. And it, it's because they actually deny fundamental things. Uh, they don't, they say they don't, but they do, uh, they act as if they do. And so, um, I think though, you know, the, the things that are being attacked right now are different. It's not so much the divinity of Christ or the theory of evolution. It's more, um, you know, things in the created order, like uh, the, um, so, so there are parallels, of course, uh, you could see the theory of evolution playing a part, but it's things like uh, the um, rootedness of gender in the creation order. You know, is, is it really just an arbitrary thing that God commands husbands to be the leader in the household, or is that something rooted in creation? Those are actually very two different ways to approach that question. Um, you know, it's things like uh, do nations actually exist? Should they actually seek uh, the well-being of themselves, or is that something that's considered bigoted? Um, is it is that a natural thing? Is that part of the world that God created? Uh, is um, you know, it, what about marriage? What's the institution of marriage designed for? Uh, what, oh, like is it permissible to attend a gay wedding reception, <laughs> even if you're not technically endorsing the wedding itself? I mean, these are questions that are being raised now that weren't really raised. I mean, people even a hundred years ago going through what Machen was writing about would have said, yeah, no, I don't think that's right. <laughs> but we've, the, the ball has, has rolled down the cliff, so to speak. And, um, it's, it's more of a subjective, I, I would say approach. It's, it's not a modernist approach as much, but uh, but but rooted in both of those things is an enlightenment rationalism. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so, OK, um, I think that's it. Uh, I'm just checking to make sure that that's the last comment. Uh, I believe so. Um, appreciate everyone's support. And if you want to uh, check out any more of my stuff, you can go to johnharrispodcast.com. You'll find links to uh, my Patreon and social media accounts there. And until next time, God bless.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.